We're closing off this year with a series entitled The Promise-Keeping God to remind ourselves that He never fails. His promises are steady. Uh, They give us courage and hope. And then He always does what He promises. God promises when we can't see the future. And he, He makes a promise so that we can be encouraged and full of hope and we can step out into a direction so that we start to walk in that direction and say, that's where God wants us to go. And it's easy to believe that God is going to keep his promises when I've got a beautiful feeling, everything's going my way. God is a promise-keeping God. But when you're in the valley of the shadows, and when it's tough, and when you're not seeing the answers, and your hope is deferred, and it's not happy days, it's harder to believe in the tough moments that he's the promise-keeping God. And it's why we wanted to end the year reminding ourselves of this truth. God is a promise-keeping God. And so I want to just uh, recognize that it's been, <laughs> for some people it's been a valley of shadows the year, and for some people it's been a year in the middle of those shadows where God showed up and just transformed our lives. My beautiful assistant will now continue this. Oh, good morning, and I'm not going to sing for you. <laughs> But I, I just wanted to take a few minutes to share something with you that that's just was on my heart a couple of days ago. And during the week, um, I, w- I was here and I, I walked through the hallways and saw the testimonies that had been hung up. And I felt quite overwhelmed just with, with emotion, just looking at what the Lord had done despite a very difficult year. And I was thankful again for the culture that we have of keeping the testimony, the culture that we have here that expects God to be loving and kind. And I love the fact that we are deliberate in community groups. We're deliberate as elders and deacons in in reminding ourselves of what the Lord has done and recording the testimony. So I just love the visuals that we have this morning. But, you know, I realize that as, as we're celebrating these testimonies, we're we don't want to be unaware, and we're not unaware, that for many this year has held tremendous pain and tremendous loss. And I know some of you here are still, are still wrestling with that, that very real um, loss that you've experienced. And the Lord reminded me again of David, the well-known story in 1 Samuel. And in 1 Samuel 30, we see David coming back to his hometown in Ziglag. And he's coming back with his men after battle, running away from Saul. And when he gets back, there was no great welcome from the family. The family were no longer there. The the wives and children had been taken captive and the land had been completely burnt down. There was nothing left. Let me read that passage of scripture to you in 1 Samuel 30 verse six. It says, David was greatly distressed for the men spoke of stoning him because the souls of them were all bitterly grieved each man for his sons and daughters. But David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. David said to Abiathar the priest, Amalek's son, I pray you, bring me the ephod. And Abiathar brought him the ephod, and David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue the troop? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered, Pursue, for you will overtake them, and without fail recover all. And so there are a couple of things that stood out there. They were... They were in distress. They'd lost everything. And there's this promise of restoration. See, David, in that moment, 
couldn't strengthen himself in the people around him because they'd also suffered great loss. They were greatly grieved and they were ready to stone him. Their souls were grieved. Some of you know what that feels like to have a soul that, that's grieved. He couldn't strengthen himself in the circumstances because they truly were not good. But, it's, but it says David strengthened himself in his God. David knew who God was, and he never changed his mind about who God was in spite of the circumstances. And in the middle of pain, and in the middle of this tremendous loss, David goes to the Lord, his God, to find encouragement and strength. And God's promise to him was one of restoration. So why am I sharing all this with you today? Because I felt like the Lord said, there's a promise of, of restoration. I feel like if I could say an anointing to restore souls today. So I just wanted to say to you, if you've suffered great loss this year, your greatest need today might be restoration of soul. I know what that feels like, and I know many of you here do. You know, some might just need strength. Some might need restoration of peace. I loved what, what Sheila shared. The Lord is about restoring peace and taking off a spirit of fear. Maybe you need your faith restored. Maybe you've said, God, it hasn't worked out the way I thought it would. I need faith restored. And what I love about testimonies, how does this fit in with testimonies? One of the things for me personally, when I read these testimonies, it reminds me of a God who is present in the middle of our circumstances. When I was lonely, when I didn't have finances, when I didn't have a friend, there's a beautiful testimony up here of a, of a widow who lived on her own, but she found community. She wasn't able to be amongst people, but she found community through Zoom during COVID. God was present in the middle of her circumstances. You see, sometimes the circumstances don't make sense, and yet God comes and he restores our souls. And I feel like there are people here today that need restoration of soul. Listen to Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. That is clear that, that our good Father knows that there are times when we need our souls restored. In Psalm 51, it says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. See, some of us need our, there's a restoration of joy. You long for joy, but it's not there. I just want to encourage you and tell you that the fact that you're sitting here today, the fact that you're here is a testimony that you've kept your eyes on him. It's a testimony that you haven't put your faith in the circumstances alone. Well done. Your testimony might be with David in the Psalms, that God has been your stronghold in times of trouble. That's a powerful testimony. I know what it's like for him to be my stronghold in a time of trouble. You know what it's like, we, we, you know, many of us have said, I don't think I would have made it if it hadn't have been for God being my stronghold. The fact that his presence has been your refuge is a testimony. The fact that he's healing your broken heart, that you've been able to get up today, is a testimony. That he's given you strength on, on days when you woke up and think, how am I gonna face today? The fact that you could get up and look after your children and go to work, that is a testimony of God's kindness. And these are powerful testimonies, and the reality is they're only possible in a relationship with a loving God. 
And so I just want to just say there's not one of us here that is without a testimony today. We each have one of God keeping us and providing for us and strengthening us, particularly this year. We're not in denial of what's been hard, but we know that he's good. See, I don't believe that the Lord wants us to deny the hard places. He's been with us in the hard places. But we, like David, can run to him. We can run to him, and we, we can say, God, would you restore my soul? And that's so, what's been very much on my heart, a restoration of, of soul, a restoration of faith, a restoration of strength, that we go into the new year on a, on a, on a path of, of restoration. So that was on my heart. That's what I wanted to share with you. And so I would love to pray for you because I really feel like the Lord wants to restore souls today. And if, if this is you, if this speaks to your heart, and if, if you're comfortable, I would love to ask you to stand. If you just need peace restored, if you're not comfortable, you can stay where you are. But we'd love to pray with you. So if you would be happy to stand, please stand. We'll, we won't lay our hands on you, but we will reach out to you and pray for you. Father, we just thank you that you are the God who restores our souls. Lord, you said that you lead us beside still waters. Father, you calm the turbulencies and you restore our souls. And so, Father, I pray for each one standing, Lord. Father, those that need soul restoration, in the places, Lord, that feel exhausted, that the, in the places, Father, where faith feels like it's been diminished. Lord, we know it hasn't, but it feels that way. Lord, I, I speak restoration, Father. Amen. I thank you for your restoration today. Lord, I, I thank you, Father, for your healing balm now, Lord, in Jesus' name, to rest, Lord, on our souls. Amen. That warm healing oil. Thank you, Jesus. Father, would you lay your hands on each soul that needs to be restored. Father, I speak restoration of peace. Father, you are the God of hope, and so, Lord, I release a restoration of hope in situations that have felt hopeless, because it's who you are. Lord, you come, and you lead us beside still waters, and you restore our souls. Thank you, Lord. And, Lord, that is why we can come to you today and Mm. be strengthened by you, Father. We thank you, Lord that just like David, we will be strengthened by you. We will find strength in the Lord, our God, because you love us that much. Father, we thank you, Lord. I thank you that today will be the beginning of more testimonies of souls being restored in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. When we look back on 2020, in a few years' time, as Tyler said, you are going to um, have an adjective that's, that sort of defines the year. 2020 was the year of something. Most people are going to put the year of COVID, uh, I think. And I just felt that the Lord challenged me just recently. He goes, son, how do you define the year? And I was like, well, there's been, the, you know, there's been, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a fun ride. I keep joking. In the beginning of the year, there were killer bees. That was the big whoo. The killer bees got quickly bumped off the top. You know, they just like killer bees just disappeared in the grand scheme of what we were facing this year. And uh, I felt like the Lord said, uh, I want you to change your focus a little and see what I've been doing. 
I don't want you to define the year by what happened. Because emotionally, this year was pretty much a gut punch for most people. I mean, it was scary. There was, uh, there was political upheaval. There was a pandemic. There was just, I mean, it was just a tough, emotionally tough year. And if I allowed my emotions to define the year, I would say, well, it's, it's this. And the adjective would probably not be a healthy one. So it was, a, it was an unhappy adjective. But the, but the point of the year is not that I can't. Uh, have my emotions rule my life, although my emotions would speak an accurate truth about how it felt. So we go, uh, how do we get out of just, just having a definition? How do we get on the Lord's page about what he was doing in 2020? And as I began to think through 2020 from a different lens, I suddenly began to see God moving in many, many different areas of my life. And so now I've begun to define 2020 in what the Lord did and instead of what COVID did. And, and so I'm going, wow. I'm just seeing majestic testimonies of how God brought breakthrough and how he shifted things and how he moved things around and how he ministered in our home and things that went on. And I'm going, 2020 was a really cool year. And it's not just a mental gymnastics that I'm doing. It's not just pretending that this horrible thing that happened and these events that went on in our country didn't go on. No, they did. But there are some truths that run deep here at Northlands there are treasures that we've unearthed from the kingdom, the kingdom treasures. And Jesus said, uh, they said, why, don't you, why do you speak in parables? He said, because the, the secrets, the treasures, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been made known to you. But I don't want to make them plain. I'm not going to give them out freely to everybody because they're, they're held back for the diligent seekers. The pearls of the kingdom are given to those who diligently seek them out. Jesus said, don't throw pearls to swine because a pig doesn't know what to do with a pearl. He's either going to try and eat it or he's going to trample it, but he won't ever try and wear it. All right? And so one of the, the realities of if the kingdom pearls is when the Lord whispers something to you, you have to massage it. You have to make it work for you, and you have to apply them because they're tools for successful life. So let me just mention, Michelle mentioned one, finding strength in the Lord. The second one I want to mention is this principle of ascribing greatness to God, which is what the Lord has spoken to us about in previous years. And the, the ascribing greatness to God, no matter what our circumstances are saying, we are the people who, as Psalm 89 says, have learned to acclaim God. We have learned to say this is who our God is. And I'm not letting my emotions or the current set of circumstances define who God is. While I'm going through a valley, God is not a good God. I'm, I'm on the mountaintop, God is a great God. God is a great God at all times. I just happen to go up and down. I have to go through the vicissitudes of life. Uh, as Ecclesiastes says, there's a time for every season, a time to weep and a time to dance and a time to mourn and a time to laugh. There's going to be things that go on in everybody's life that uh, God is going to use no matter what your circumstances. God will always be faithful to you and he'll always use those circumstances to work out his plan in your life. And if you will keep your eyes on him, and if you will keep your head straight, you will see God's glory for the, all the days of your life. Surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life, David said. But when you read David's life, it wasn't always a happy circumstance to life. It was terrible, his circumstances. But he said, I cannot but see the goodness and the, the loving kindness of God just chasing me down. Why? Because he's learned to acclaim the Lord. He's learned to ascribe greatness to God. He's learned to say, but God, you're always faithful. And so when my circumstances are tough and when it doesn't look like the promise is coming and when I'm in a hard place, I don't say, God, you're mean and you're ugly and you're unfaithful. I say, God, you're faithful. 
I ascribe greatness to God, no matter what my circumstances are, because my circumstances cannot alter his nature. His nature remains the same, and so my voice, my mouth, my confession, and my praise is always, you are good. You are worthy. You are beautiful. You are faithful. You are powerful. You never fail. Now, 2020 has given us ample opportunity to ascribe faithfulness and kindness and protection and care and loving kindness to God. And even when I can't see it, I know it's true about him. So when I ascribe it to him, I'm saying what is truth. I ascribe greatness to God. And when I do, I pass the first test of Job. Remember the the Lord said to the devil, hey, have you seen my servant Job? He goes, no, the only reason Job praises you is because he's in happy days. He said, Job 1.11, he said, strike everything he has and he'll curse you to your face. And you and I are going to have to face that same test and win it. And if you want to get an A on this test, it means that in the middle of the toughest times, when the accuser is throwing all sorts of accusations against the character of God, we refuse to believe what he says, and we ascribe greatness to God. And so Job 1.22, he says, all these terrible things happen, but Job ascribed greatness. It says, in all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Isn't that interesting? Job, Job had learned this lesson. No, 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 he's God. And so Job is sitting, he, all his kids are dead, all his wealth is wiped out, his house is burned down, he, he's got boils all over his body, he's completely destitute, and he goes, but God is good. And his wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? So we've learned how to write psalms that do this, where we describe the circumstances we're in, and then we pivot and we ascribe greatness to God despite these circumstances, and then we prescribe in our prayer, Lord, this is what I'm hoping for. Describe, ascribe, prescribe, and we've written songs like that, psalms as a church like that, and I want to encourage you to go, I dare you to try it again. Describe what's going on in your life. Ascribe greatness to God. Use your imagination. Say what you know to be true about him, and then prescribe in your prayer, but Lord, could you help me with this? I love ascribing greatness to God, and it becomes especially poignant when your life is not going well. It's especially true when times are tough. It's especially the time to do it when it feels like that God has left you. When life conspires to lie to you that that Emmanuel, the God who is with us, is not with us any longer. It's especially valuable. So we are people who have learned to ascribe greatness to God. And we've had this opportunity in this year to put that into practice. (laughs) I love these. There's some testimonies up here about provision. And then COVID hit. And I didn't know. And my whole business was shut down. And I was fired from my job. And there was no work. And I had to pay bills. And then you, and you see the testimonies. But God came through. But God was faithful. He gave me double of what I needed. He prospered. We, we ended the year in the best financial place we've ever been. This kind of testimony has been ongoing all the time. It's very difficult to take COVID seriously when the overwhelming expanse of testimony is that God used it to bless us. 
We came out of the year not just financially more blessed, but more intimate with our God, more settled in our hearts about who He is. That'll change the way you view the year. 2020 was the year that God showed me I could trust Him. So we learn to ascribe greatness to God. And the second thing that we learn to do is to keep His testimonies. Keeping the testimonies is to record and to make visible what God has done among you. We remind ourselves what, what was going on and this is how we felt, but this is what the Lord did in the middle of that. Because somehow it's always this weird thing where you're in the middle of the crisis and you're up against the wall and you call out to God and he steps in and he transforms the circumstances and now you're completely free of all the stress that you felt just a week ago. All the things that you feared, all the possibilities that the enemy was threatening you with are now completely obliterated because the Lord stepped in and the fear is all gone and you begin to forget how fearful you felt and you begin to wonder, was that actually real? Did something actually happen? That's why it's important for us to write down, this is what happened, this is what was going on. I smiled this year. I was preaching the series on that God is an anchor for our souls. And I really felt like the Lord had got hold of me. And he said, son, I want to teach you this. And I was like, yeah, God is an anchor for our souls. And we won't fear no matter what. We're not going to be blown back and forth. We anchored in God. Yeah. And I went for my annual checkup. And the doctor called me. And he goes, ooh, I think you have leukemia. You need to go to the cancer specialist. And as he said that, the Lord goes, I'm the anchor for your soul. I was like, I know what's going on. So I'm sitting at the oncologist and all these really, really sick people, and I'm praying for them because my soul is at peace because the Lord says, I'll hold you. And I'm not faking it. I'm not, I'm not pretending. I have a peace that just passes understanding in the oncologist's office. And so we do blood tests. He goes, I don't know what's going on, but are you sure you're the right guy? There's nothing wrong with you. Come back in two weeks' time, because now this is, it shouldn't be. I come back in two weeks' time, he goes, no, you. All, 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 all I'm trying to say is, the Lord wants to speak. He wants to teach you something. And then he uses circumstances to cement that truth in you. And if you can get that, that's a prize. That's a gift from heaven. Now, you can either choose to focus on the report. Oh, it was a terrible year. I got threatened with. Or you can go, look what God did. Because there's the truth of it. And so when we keep the testimonies, we start to say, let me tell you about what God did. And some of these are beautiful, beautiful testimonies of God bearing his arm and stepping into circumstances and transforming it around. And if we're not careful, those moments where God steps into our life are easily forgotten because in the, 
pace of our life and in the busyness of what goes on and in the accusation of the enemy, we can become forgetful of the beauty of what God did. But we need, it's our responsibility. It's not God's responsibility to keep reminding us. It's our responsibility to remember what God did. And so it's ours to keep his testimonies. This is why every week we have testimonies from God. People say, why do we have testimonies every week? Because it's our responsibility to keep the testimonies, to keep telling people what God is doing right now in this church among these people, and God does it every single week. There are miracles and testimonies and God bearing his arm and stepping into circumstances, and we're seeing it. And people are just being witnesses as Jesus called them to be about what he is doing in their life. Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses, and go and be a witness. Don't hide what God did and a bushel, step out and say, this is what God did. Reminds us of who Jesus is, and it reminds us that he's inviting us. Do you want me to do that again? Because I could do that again for you. Now, as Michelle just said, there's been a lot about this year that uh, could easily have stolen our focus. It's been an emotionally bruising year, a taxing year. But we are not broken. We are not confused. We have not lost our footing. We have not backed down. We will not be shaken. We do not give way to fear. We did not lose hope. We did not lose our faith. God just wants his people to take refuge in him. So we have to decide how we're going to define this year. If we let our emotions define it, it'll be an accurate expression of what we experience, but not necessarily accurate in terms of the truth. Ascribing greatness gets our souls back on track and in the right ballpark. And its discipline realigns us with truth, and listening to testimonies stirs our spirits and reminds us what God did this year. There's a branch of theology called Heilsgeschichte, which is German, obviously, because a bunch of German theologians defined history as God moving. And so they said the whole point of history is where God moved. This is all about God's agenda. When God moved in history, that's where we want to focus and see what God was doing. And I just want to say that this year, that's what we should be doing. It's so easy to lose focus in the middle of all the other stuff that's going on and not have eyes to see what God is doing. Scripture I want to read, King Aram, the king of the Aramites sends men to Dothan, which is where Elisha is, because the king of Aram is trying to attack Israel, but every time he, he wants, he makes an attack plan, Elisha gets it by revelation and he tells the king of Israel, are they going to come this way? So every time the king of Aram tries something, there's, there's Israel waiting for him. And he, and, he, and he accuses his officers. He goes, this is too, one of you must be deceiving. And they go, no, let me tell you, it's Elisha. So he sends men to go and arrest Elisha, and they come at night, and they surround the entire city, this little enclave where Elisha lives. And 2 Kings 6 says, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now the servant is there out there you know, wiping down the mule, and he looks up and he sees just chariots. And he goes, oh, 
his heart fails him. And he says to Elisha, what are we going to do? And Elisha says, there's more with us than for us, against us. And, and so now the servant is now looking. Okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's more against us. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And Elisha prayed, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so he can see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I want us to ensure at the end of the year we brush off the lies and the half-truths and the misperceptions about God and the slanderous accusations of the enemy, because lying just beyond the valley of shadows that we can easily see is an army sent by God that only some will see. The difference is night and day in your attitude. One is desperate fear and the other is calm assurance. Because when God opens your eyes and you see, oh, they're so outnumbered. So we are called on to fight for this truth and righteousness. We're called on to take a stand because we're not the people who can only just see natural. We also are called on to see supernatural. And if all you can see is natural, then your heart fails you for fear. But if you can look past the natural and see into the supernatural, suddenly your heart swells with joy and appreciation and gratitude. And you go, man, it's going to be such a cool day. Because Isaiah 54, we sang it earlier today, this is what it says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It didn't say no weapon will be formed against you. It said that none of the weapons that are formed against you will prosper. So weapons will be formed against you, but none of them will prosper, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you, for this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, says the Lord. Two things the Lord says, I will give to my children. No weapon formed against you can prosper, and you can refute every tongue that accuses you. This is your heritage. This is your inheritance. You can do this at any time. This is yours. No weapon formed against you. So you and I need to take up a stand and say, I rebuke, I break that weapon in Jesus' name. I command you to back down. You've got to have a little metal in you. You've got to have a little pushback. You've got to step up a little in the things when you're going through a tough time. 2 Corinthians 10, Tyler read it. For the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. See, Isaiah said you can refute accusations. Paul said you can demolish strongholds and you can demolish arguments. Ephesians 6 says take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Refute, demolish, extinguish. These are the verbs. Refute, demolish, extinguish. And it's in our hands. So some of us need to stir ourselves a little to a little refutation, a little demolishment, and a little bit of breaking down and extinguishing everything the enemy's thrown at us. There's a deliberate process that we need to end the year with and just say, that was a lie, and I rebuke it in Jesus' name. But this is the truth about who my God is. And I'm going to proclaim it. And some people are on the beautiful side of the testimony, on the satisfied edge of the promise, where you've, seen, you've heard the promise and you've seen the fulfillment and you're standing there and you're in the middle of the blessing and going, look what he did. And there's hundreds of those testimonies all around the building. Go and strengthen yourself in the Lord by reading them. Some of you are still waiting for the promise.
it does not matter which side of this promise you're on because he is a promise-keeping God. If you haven't yet seen the promise, it just means the timing is not yet. It does not mean God changed his mind. So what we're going to do is we're going to close off this message. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I'm going to invite you to just take a look back under the guidance of the Lord. Maybe ask, Holy Spirit, would you guide me in my thinking about this year? And as you look back, I want you to take some time during the song to ask the Lord about 2020. Ask him to show you the armies of angels that he sent to help you. (laughs) Ask him what he was doing on your behalf this year. God was doing stuff for you. I guarantee it. You know how I guarantee it? Because the Bible says, in all things he works together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. In all things, in all circumstances, at all times, God works together for the good of those who love him. God has been working for your good. And some of us have seen that, and some of us haven't. So as we worship, we're going to close this year and this service with some worship and adoration, lifting up holy hands to the Lord and saying, thank you. But I want to pray the prayer Elisha prayed for his servant. Lord, open the eyes. And my prayer is that during the song, the Lord would open your eyes and you would see something that you didn't see in this year yet. That he would maybe whisper to you, this is what I was doing for you. This is what I still want for you. This is still my call on your life. You're going to see me come through. So let me pray. Then we're going to worship, and you're going to do business with God. And I really believe that if you'll open your heart to him and say, Lord, would you speak to me about this year, that he'd show you, he'd bring you memories, he'd, he'll remind you of things he was doing, of moments during the year. He's going to explain some things to you about who he is. And Some of you, as Michelle said, have, have got a soul that really needs to be restored. Some of you have got memories that still cling to you with pain. Some of you have had woundings in the year. And maybe some of those accusations or some of those failures or some of those things that other people did to you were still have power to hurt. I really think the Lord's going to just, in this moment, minister to you, break things. And I hope that at the end of the song, Everything that the enemy meant for evil, God has turned it for good. So, Father, that's our prayer. As your people, Lord, we come to take refuge in you. And I'm asking, Lord, by your Spirit, that for every single person, you would do, Lord, something profound in the next few minutes, that you would move among us, Lord, and you would whisper to us about your intentions for this year, what you did and what you're still planning for us. And Lord, if there is a wounding, if there is a hurt, would you just break its power? And would you bring, Lord, just a a tremendous healing anointing to wipe, Lord, every negative thing off the year and bring forth only beauty and gold 
So, Lord, we commit this time to you, and we thank you for this year. We thank you, Lord, that you never change. You're always the same God. And we give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together.
2020. Yeah. You've been good to me. I see it all around you. I see your goodness, Lord. So good to life you've been faithful. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. Yes, you came running home with a prepared speech. I have sinned. I have messed up. I don't deserve. Couldn't get through the speech. 
was enveloped in a father's hug. Just the loving arms of a father, just saying, bring the best robe, my son is home. Let's throw a party. All over the place, I felt like the father just came running and grabbed some people, just grabbed you. Don't give me that, I don't deserve, I'm not worthy. My kids have come home. Just wants to love you. Just wants to throw a party for you. So Father, I just, according to your word, I just release the extreme, unbelievable favor from Father, the loving kindness of God that just overwhelms, Lord, weakness and brokenness. The love, Lord, that covers a multitude. The love, Lord, that drove you to send your own son. I release your love, Father, all over this place and the restoring power of that love. few more opportunities for ministry today. Ministry team uh, who waits on the Lord before services and the Lord whispers to them in the New Testament, it's called words of knowledge. And he whispers to them, there's some people that are coming today that these are the conditions and I want to minister to them. And uh, a list of those will come up. We, they wait on the Lord before the service. They put it through the, the projection guide and say, this is what we believe the Lord wants to do in ministry time afterwards. So if you look up on the screen and anything there makes sense to you, Sometimes when you look at the screen and it doesn't make sense to you, you go, oh, that sounds strange. But if it makes sense to you, you'll know exactly what it means. And if that's you, I just dare you to come up and say to somebody, hey, could you pray for me? The amount of miracles we've seen here because the ministry team just agreed with what the Lord said he wanted to do, it's been amazing. So if, if, if those come up and that ministers to you, and please do that. and Go check out Grace Teams. We're going to sign up in, in just a few minutes. And then if you would just... Uh, meander a little through the church uh, with your masks on. In a COVID reality, meandering is less helpful, but meander past all the testimonies. Just read some testimonies. And if one jumps up and bites you in the heart, say, Lord, do it for me too, Lord. Just claim it. Say, Lord, do it again, Lord, but do it in me. And I think the Lord's going to minister to some people as you go. Father, we give you thanks for 2020 and what you've done among us and through us and for us. What a gracious God you are. All my life you've been faithful, Lord. So, so good. And so, Lord, we just give you thanks and praise. Now, Lord, release your smile, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for coming. Happy New Year.